Download, bet, win. I got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're in Colorado or in Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, or right here in sweet Virginia, sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $500 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download, bet, win. And let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-270-7117. It's like GTA, dude. Like people are in didn't, all types of vehicles. Didn't someone <laughs> dent it? Didn't someone drop it? Didn't You're they talking to it? him. You're <laughs> talking to him, bro. He dropped it? <laughs> yeah, man. It was a complete, complete accident. Macon is out. Dr. Fax is in the building. Some of y'all know Dr. Fax, my former teammate, uh, NFL veteran, defensive tackle, Nate Collins, Virginia Cavalier, and just all-time great guy. He's in here stepping in for Macon. Macon had to, uh, well, Macon reminded me that uh, when he signed his contract, when I went out West, he'd be doing one day a week. So uh, Macon is home today with his lovely family. Dr. Fax is in the building. He's uh, keeping the seat warm. And Cowboy Reed, you had a, uh, a welcome of sorts for Dr. Fax? Indeed, here it goes. The guy asked me to negotiate a contract. I say, okay, I have only one question. When you're in Montana, what's it going to look like for me? Guy comes back. He says, you're one a week, one a week, one pod a week. I say, that sounds terrific. A little bit of a break for me while you're on vacation. Now I come to learn that there's a guest co-host. What on earth? I mean, I thought you were going to get some reps in solo guest co-host. Awesome. Here's something else. I'm driving in the car, hands-free, chill out. Just went over some railroad tracks. Here's something else. Cowboy Reed's crunchy ass, Taylor, I don't care who it is. We need to order new ear things. The rubbery things that go over the ear things, we need new ones of those. I can't be coming in every day putting Howie Long's earbuds into my ears putting C-Long's earbuds into my ears, putting Dr. Fax earbuds into my ears. I need my own rubbery ear things to go over the ear things. Goodness gracious, guest co-host? Guest co-host? Fax, I hope you brought some, uh, some, some white owls and you could just stink up the studio so when he comes back in on Monday, he just hates you even more. Oh, man, I got it covered. I might even leave him... Leave him a joint here for him. Because <laughs> he needs to chill out. 
<laughs> I know, right? Look at you. You got the headphones on. See, the funny thing is usually making and I wear those those little ear buds. Oh, like they that's, stick that's funny ear. hearing that because that's the first thing I told um Cowboy Reed here. I was like, please give me some earphones because I'm not putting these buds in my ear. And to address the in-ear earbuds, we have acquired some in-ear earbuds to appease Macon. I sent him the video and he was like, oh, wonderful. He never had Howie Long's earwax in his ears just to set the record straight. And I've seen my dad. My dad, my dad will Q-tip the fuck out of his ear holes. So, like, he's totally clean. We're glad to have Dr. Fax in studio. Dr. Fax, do you have any questions about your surroundings, uh, your job today? Um, the only thing I'm a little questionable about is <clears throat> not knowing what these candles really mean. Especially, yeah, the, the prayer candles. That's the angel of death. Yeah, Santa Muerte. Yeah, it's for the shrine. We we light shrines for people from time to time. If somebody's slumping, we light a shrine for him. You know what? Throw him a lighter. Let's light a shrine for CP3. Because people were saying CP3 oh, looked 36 last night. We will talk about we will talk about CP3. You can't light prayer candles very well with a bic lighter. You need one of those re- long reach joints. Oh, well, but um, this one's not. Yeah, light that up. Light that up for CP3. We're going to get him back on track. Put some stick on his hands. Yeah, we'll talk about basketball in a little bit. We will talk about Giannis's block. Is Giannis's block the best NBA Finals block of all time? Obviously, there is. Um, and Nate's shaking his head. That's a little preview to what he thinks about that block. Uh, obviously, everybody harkens back to the LeBron block. Game seven of the finals a few years back. That's the first game Waylon ever saw at a bar. We took him to Fitzroy. Shout out to Kevin Backey. And we had a baby in the bar in a stroller uh, <laughs> at nearly midnight. But it was it was that kind of momentous event. So we'll weigh those two options. Giannis's block. LeBron's chase down block in a little bit. We got Pat Maroon joining us now three-time. Uh, three-time, three-peat uh, NHL Stanley Cup champion started with the Blues, now back to back with uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay, the new Boston city of champions, the Marina City. They do their parades on boats down there, Nate. Yo, it it looks super lit, and I'm a huge fan of the beach and the water. So I could just imagine a boat parade is sounds right up my alley, and I do know how to swim. <laughs> I feel like it does intensify your drunk. My beer count on the river, like, is probably an average of six at this point. And in college, when we used to go, no, yeah, for sure. And I and I and I think back. That's what I always do. I, I think in my head, how did I do this? Like, when I was in college, like, I don't, I, I don't, like, it's unfathomable how I can think about how we used to pass bottles around. Mixed drinks, beer, liquor, didn't really matter. And yeah, it didn't matter. Didn't matter. You go from fireball to vodka to scotch <laughs> to, you know, like there was no, oh, you, you anybody have any tank right? We're out of booze. Oh, like, God. don't care. We could go from gin to whiskey uh, to like a margarita mixer. It doesn't matter. Peppermint schnapps. Every- oh, dude, dude. Hey, listen, since we're here, <laughs> do you want to tell that story in the open? Yo, so one of the first times. <laughs> Um, going out as a freshman, Chris is trying to show off in front of, it's like a few of the freshman football players. And we had a few girls from our dorm and one of the girls is like, 
yeah, you can't chug, like, you can't chug this. And Chris was like, who can't? <laughs> and Chris took a full bottle of peppermint schnapps and he chugged it to the barcode. The barcode at the bottom. There was probably, when he was done with it, there was probably four shots maybe left in this bottle. And just his face and his demeanor of after he finished this bottle, he went into the shower and all of us sat there and talked. was like, is he going to be okay? Like, he's not going to come out the shower. And... Probably two minutes later, he busts out the shower, runs out of his dorm, runs, does a lap, and then runs back inside. And he's like, don't you ever challenge me. <laughs> don't you ever challenge me drinking. And then, like, he said something else, but it was a... Well, you're leaving one thing out, which is that was after a bottle of 99 bananas. Yeah, like, it was already, <laughs> like, a crazy, a crazy night. And those liquors now, thinking about it, I, I probably would gag even, like, smelling a bottle of, like, I could just remember the, the smell of 99 bananas, how, how much sugar that liquor oh. has in it. Like, it just, uh <laughs> It had more than, it had more than the 99 apples, which was disgusting oh. in and of itself. Like, Listen, we used to, the thing about going to college and being suddenly of age where you can go to the ABC store, I don't know what they call your liquor stores, wherever you're from, but like when you can go to the ABC store, suddenly you don't get basic stuff. You're like, oh, I think I'll try this flavor of this thing. You know what I mean? Like you try every corner of that liquor store. And what happens along the way is you have nights like that night where you go 99 bananas to peppermint schnapps. And, um, I didn't, enjoy the the taste of peppermint the smell of peppermint i didn't like looking at peppermint uh for the first six years of my career so we got pat maroon on today he's a perfect guy to talk alcohol with i think he's been drunk for six days uh after he won the cup i of course congratulated him and then i saw him in one of his instagram pictures looking like he had no idea where he was not even what planet he was on and i zoomed in on his puffy face and i texted him and he said i've been drunk for five days so we're gonna have pat maroon on he's probably coming back down to earth a little bit which is a painful process at this age uh staying on the topic we got some housekeeping to do uh, we have, uh, some Olympics to talk about. Olympics are coming up. We're going to give you our five can do's and our five can't do's. And of course the age old debate, the locks or dip set us two, we have PhDs in this music, uh, and they have a versus coming up August 3rd. So I said, Dr. Fax is in the building. This is perfect, dude. This is the perfect co-host to tackle this question. But most of all, I want to welcome back Cowboy Reed. Cowboy. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Cowboy Reed, where did your travels take you? Uh, we went a few places. We took I 40 all the way across the Southwest, ended in Arizona, uh, up near the Grand Canyon. Then we went north into Dinosaur National Monument in Utah, Colorado. Then took a stop in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and then took 70 and 64 all the way back, Charlottesville. How much pow-pow? Oh, tons. So much pow-pow, you wouldn't even... I mean, not just in Colorado, but Arizona and Utah also had some pow-pow. I mean, we were up at least 10, 12,000 feet, and we found some plenty of fresh NRNR. Did you hit the fridge, Breckenfridge? No, we did not go to Breckenfridge. We went to the boat. Yeah, well, next time, hit some black diamonds before you come back. 
if you don't hit Black Diamond's next trip, you're not welcome back in the studio, Reed. Come on. Is that skiing? Um, is that skiing terms? Yeah, it's skiing, bro. I've never been skiing. Or sure, well, dead redemption. It's probably a little late to start, I think. You think so? <laughs> you think so. <laughs> also, wait, sorry. So I had waited a long time to talk about Coeur d'Alene, Idaho on the show because I've got a good friend, Ryan Merweed, who is a longtime loyal listener, uh, works at the Coeur d'Alene Bike Company. And you guys talked about Coeur d'Alene while I was out on my adventures. And I heard it on the show when I was listening in the car. And I had waited a long time to talk about Coeur d'Alene with you two. And now you guys had talked about it on the show the other day. Well, you sound kind of obsessed with Coeur d'Alene there, Reed. Hey, man, you go to Coeur d'Alene, you will be obsessed. That is the home of Jake the Snake Plumber. He lives just north of Coeur d'Alene. Oh, my boy, Jake the Snake. Also, Sheldon Sore, NHL badass, lived up there in (laughs) Coeur d'Alene. I was just looking at one of his pictures last night, like, where the fuck are you? It It looked like they were having the last supper on top of a mountain there perfect light the golden hour shout out to sheldon uh yeah Coeur d'Alene. maybe i need to check it out i'm tasked with saying hello to chandler arizona that's from uh my trusty co-host macon who's out today but he said to say hello to chandler arizona so hello chandler arizona uh don't know much about it i know that cameron jordan's from there uh and i know that i is it which who's the wrestler from Cam there? jordan this one yeah cam jordan's from there I think there's like a Shawn Michaels maybe from there. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know much about Chandler. Don't know why he picked it, but we're going to get that map up and put the green pins uh, every time we say hello to a listener. Thank you, Purple Sunset. Wherever they're growing Purple Sunset, keep growing it. Grow a bunch of it people you should try it purple sunset it's not always about the thc uh percentage there nate would you say yeah it's definitely not it's not about all, it's not all about that this thing was 17 percent. now again i was talking to somebody about this last night in the 60s the counterculture folks were smoking like five percent like grass they were smoking grass and then like every decade it <laughs> really went up like the fact that we could smoke bob marley out probably being true uh, is remarkable to think about, but that's what they're doing now. And I'm not somebody who's like, Hey, make it stronger. I think 25 is plenty strong. And I think 25, you should keep that on the top shelf away from anybody who hasn't smoked before, but this purple sunset comes in at about 17 and, um, it's I an indica. Some, I just had some really low stuff. Um, when I was in Denver, it was like 11%, some NYC diesel. And it was, it was a, really really good chill cool high and it's funny because i was like uh like i'll just get like one bottle of this because i don't know about it being 11 percent, but 11 percent is probably significantly higher than what <laughs> you're usually smoking like when you're not in oh. the dispensary so <laughs> i guess so i don't smoke anything that's not good anymore but like you know like for me 17 that doesn't scream at you but i gotta tell you i just melted away uh, and, and gazed off into that purple sunset. Listen, layup line today is going to fit the occasion. And I said, Nate, you're tasked with picking a lock song. Uh, that, of course, uh, is one of our, both of our favorite rap trios of all time. Um, and I'm tasked with picking a dip set 
uh, song. And if you, and if you, if you follow Dipset, it's not just, uh, Cameron, um, you know, Joel Santana and, uh, who else did I say? Jim Jones. It's also Hellrell. <laughs> I knew that was going to be, I knew that was going to be your little, yes. Like I'm going to, I'm going to throw Hellrell in there. <laughs> well, we got to, I don't want Hellrell to listen to this podcast and be like, yo, these dudes were not respectful of my contribution to diplomatic immunity. I, so I want you to go right. first. What did you come to the table with for, for uh, layup line here, uh, on the lock side of the aisle? So I have, even though it's not a lock song, they're all on it. And I think it's technically a May song, but 24 hours to live. You had 24 hours to live. Just think, where would you go? What would you do? Who would you screw? And who would you want to notify? I feel like that's a legendary song. Not a lot of people think about, but Jada, um, Sheik and Styles all have verses on that. And I just think, the fact also it's who's I think it's is it Jada on the on the hook I think that's just like a mem- like for me yeah. being young like hearing that just like hearing that and like thinking in my head like yo if I did have 24 hours to live like what would you do <laughs> and just being yeah. a kid <laughs> and just being like dang that's like that's a crazy hey, Mitchell, concept hey, little facts was sitting at home contemplating so that's a great one and you know I was thinking to myself what would I have done I might have done can I live or yep. recognize uh, but had we expanded it the way you did there, maybe I go blackout. Hey yo, catch me with a 38 box of shells and the 98 Lincoln eating pasta shells. Blackout yeah. off the DMX album. They have a Flesh lot of they have a lot of posse cuts, like like records that it, that's why I'm really excited for this whole thing. Both sides yeah. do. Both sides do. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going with for dipset, I'm going with I'm ready off of diplomatic immunity. I think the heat makers produced that one. It's just an all time mood lifter, dude. I just, and it reminds me of college. We were, we, this was, this was our music, man. This was our music. So, you know, yes, we're old, uh, but they're still doing verses for old, old heads like us. And so, uh, Nate, went I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I thought you were going to go with, we fly high. <laughs> no, 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 no. That got so played out, man. When, when the, there, there was the, the as far as playing that song out was concerned, there was no worse team to do it than the Giants because they got so many fucking sacks. So uh, many. They they but, had to, they remember they had to stop them from doing it. They 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 literally put in a rule to stop them from doing that. Like that's that's what's funny about that. <laughs> dude, I'm so with you that like it it's it it it's a memory that makes me smile, but it definitely the song got played out. Like I wish those Giants D linemen had gotten that opportunity in an era when you could celebrate. Oh my god. There's goodness. nothing that made me happier than watching one of my t- old teammates, Fred Robbins, shoot a fadeaway jump shot. Or OC, just yeah. knowing OC, being in like a just being in a, a like a uh a, a meeting room with OC and those guys just like knowing their personality, just thinking like if we got to do dances and plan if they got to plan dances and stuff for a group that they knew they were getting sacks every game, like oh. how different that would have been like dynamic wise, because it was by the bunches, JPP, like all those guys. And and yeah, and and you were there, so it's like and you've been on D lines obviously just like me, where 
you knew you were going to get buckets. And, you know, we had the D line in St. Louis that we talk about a lot on here. And you're right. Like there's games you go into and you're like, Hey guys, a lot of people (laughs) are going to be, this is it. Maybe we should think about a celebration or two. You never want to jinx yourself, but some games, like when we played Seattle or something, or when they played maybe the, Eagles. There was one time where OCU Manura had six sacks against the Eagles when we were in college. Crazy, yeah. I feel like he. I feel like he did that, and he had a a bunch when they the year they won it. I just remember being in college, like yo, like this dude's going off. He had the best cross chop I've ever seen. But he uh, did the like he had his he had his thing like OC. One thing about OC OC watched a lot of tape. Like he was a dude that like I, I consistently. Watch him watch tape, and it's funny, but OC used to have little nuances about, like, O-linemen and stuff, like, pertaining to the snap, and it was funny to me, but, like, he wouldn't never let anyone know. (laughs) It's kind of selfish. It's kind of selfish, but if he knew it, (laughs) he wouldn't let anyone know. And then, like, like people, like, Tuck, like, I remember tucking them, like, like, getting frustrated with him, and his thing was always, like, nah, like, if – like, I'm not going to tell you guys, and then you guys jump off sides and then blame it on me. Like, so, like, I'll just take it, like, and I'll, I'll figure it out myself. And if it's right, well, it's you're right. right. Because we used to have, you know, Mike Waffle, his thing was never early, never late, mm-hmm. which was just basically a fancy way of saying be on time. <laughs> stay stay uh, on sides. Get off the rock. Hard, which is hard to tell somebody in an attacking defense when you want them to, ha- to, to you know, accrue 60 sacks a year as a unit. So, you know, like – we would kind of share tells with each other, but the code was always, if you get fucked on my tell, <laughs> you don't say I told you. So like after a guy jumps off sides, you don't sit in the meeting room and goes, well, Chris told me that when the tackle, you know, wiggles his fingers that it's on the next, you know, sound, you know, like, or we'd have centers that would lean back, yeah. you know, especially when people used to be under center now a lot, quarterbacks moving their hands yeah, that's sort it. Of, the little tap yeah, the little gator motion the tap yeah trust so me there's a whole you there's can... a whole host you, the, these same conversations were going on in y'all's d-line room Everyone. in our d-line room and it's funny as hell to think about but you're right sometimes if you get a real good tip some guys might wait till the third quarter and act like they figured it out in the second <laughs> but they knew it all week <laughs> ah! all week after you get your two sacks like yeah guys it's this <laughs> Oh, guys, I just realized. <laughs> so, anyways, we got here talking about the locks, about Dipset. We're going to settle that that uh, debate later. Who's got the best uh, catalog? And that's a complicated conversation. So, we'll get there after Pat Maroon. One more thing on the arts. Nate, I don't know if you've seen anything pertaining to Ted Lasso. Mm-mm. About my jurisdiction. Okay. that's. I feel like it's outside my jurisdiction as well because I watched a um, – a preview. And I, all I have to say, and I really like Jason Sudeikis. I've met him before. Really great guy and an amazing actor goes without saying, and you can all tell that I'm getting ready to shit on Jason Sudeikis. I'm not shitting on Jason Sudeikis. I just think it was miscast. I just don't buy the Jason Sudeikis is from the South thing. I just don't buy it. And I'm also not good with like kind of you know, tame one-liner comedies. I'm, I'm, I like, I like drier stuff. So I think I'm going to struggle with Ted Lasso, but I'm going to keep an open mind. It's up for an Emmy, I guess. And I'll check it out. I promise. Housekeeping. Okay. couple things. Number one, wind bet is growing. Get out of the way, get off the fucking tracks, dude. Wind bet is growing all aboard. Ocho Cinco, a brand face, Nick Mangold, 
big brand face. Tim Howard, brand face. That's a guy you want when you got PKs, okay? Yadded, cool guy. Met him too. They were practicing in St. Louis at Bush Stadium. We went down and hung out with those guys. Tim Howard, most down-to-earth cat in the world. So, yeah, dude, win bet, accruing awesome energy, awesome personalities. And if that wasn't enough, Dan Campbell just signed with win bet. The Lions. The Lions. The Lions Lions signed. Which subsequently means that Dan Campbell and I are on the same team. Dan Campbell and I are teammates. This is one of the biggest... Dan Campbell, who is the head coach of the Lions, <laughs> is now my teammate under the win bet umbrella. I don't care how you get there. Get there. It's Along with Jared Goff and X amount. Michael Brockers. Yeah, the yep. whole gang. Mainly Dan Campbell and Deuce and those guys. And all you Lions fans, you're on our team too. You should be listening to this podcast. Okay? You should be listening to this podcast. We are part of the win bet empire. Okay? Another thing this week, my son told me what he wants to be when he grows up. He actually told his uh, his papa, uh, aka Flat Top. I want to do these big challenges. When I grow up, I want to be an American ninja. Okay. Run on a bunch. It's basically most extreme elimination, if you remember that show, but for CrossFitters. You've seen American Ninja Warrior, right, Nate? Yeah, of course I have. And I respect all that because sitting in your living room and you watch people fall and you say, ah, <laughs> but just knowing in real life, like how like severely hurt <laughs> you can get trying to do a lot of that stuff when you're like not training for it. Like I, I respect it a lot and I respect no, Whalen for set, yeah. setting his goals early and yeah. being definitive about it. And then like, like with people, I don't know if you doubted him when he first said it or if yeah, you were just kind of like, and that's what I said. And then put like proving it, like saying, Hey, you know what, dad, you might not, you might not think I'm serious, but let's go to the park. <laughs> let's go yeah, to let's the take, park. Let's take this to the park. No, I've been very supportive of it. I've been very, very supportive of it. Uh, he's really into the storylines. You know how American Ninja Warrior likes to, likes you to get to know the, the characters out there who are running around. Uh, you know, I do want to push back a little bit. They're falling into a pool. So, I mean, yeah, you could get hurt, but I'm thinking maybe like a torn labrum is more likely than like a concussion is all I'm saying. But these people are very impressive and some of them are fucking crazy. I mean, they're all crazy on a level, but I saw a guy in like a full plaid suit and some like high top fashion sneakers, like, like hanging on the adult monkey bars, like a psychopath the other night watching this thing with Waylon. Of course he went out in like the first, the first challenge, he went into the moat. But these people are nuts, and I think Waylon's got a little bit of that in him. I really do. Um, so Waylon's going to be an American Ninja Warrior. I fully support it. Uh, and, and as you can hear on the audio there, Flat Top does too. So uh, kudos to Waylon. Big shout-out to Waylon. Giannis, this was the second game in a row you went out early in the first quarter. I'm just curious what was going on there. I wanted to uh, what the hell you guys say politely. I wanted to take a, a tinkle. A, a tinkle? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I went to take a tinkle. It came back. Yeah. That's it. That's is that's polite, right? Tinkle is polite. Yeah. Both games. I went to take a tinkle. It went back. Sports, NBA Finals rages on two two now. So we got ourselves a series as of our last night. Your two nights ago, 
Um, really great game. This was the first really electrifying game that actually captured my attention. And maybe now people will tune in more because uh, I'm going to be one of those people that was one of the many that you couldn't count in that 9 million or so that was watching games one, two, and three. I was one of the people that was tuning out due to July, due to, you know, like post-holiday, due to the fact they're smaller market teams, whatever. The fact that it looked like the Bucks were going to get boat raced or Chris Paul came back down to earth. We know that's going to change because we lit him a shrine. Listen, I think the series could be exciting now. This is this this is good stuff. And the uh, the game last night, which which looked rigged for a bit after that no call, uh, Giannis saved the NBA from a lot of heartache and hardship uh, this morning by blocking a shot, well, a dunk rather, uh, of of a player that he wasn't even guarding at the time. He was helping on somebody at the top of the free throw line. The ball gets lobbed over his head. He somehow turns, pivots, times it up, and rejects uh, Aiton at the rim. And here's why I think this is such an impressive block. The difference between him being on an all-time poster and him making an all-time play was just that. It was that moment. And the athleticism, the awareness, the skill – uh, I think adds up to put him in the conversation for making one of the most iconic blocks in NBA finals history. And people online agree. A lot of people are saying, people are saying, Nate, that this exceeds the the heights of the LeBron James game seven block anything, five years ago. Anything so. and everything to to try to top LeBron, everyone is going to do. This block was great. It was cool, but it's not better than LeBron running full court and pinning like uh, a sure layup like to the backboard like no it's not it's not better than that like Giannis for one is a freak of nature his wingspan is ginormous if you watch him he takes about three strides from half court anyway like to make a layup like it's it was very very impressive but I do not think it's better than LeBron Dunn. Right, right, because Giannis's athleticism you kind of hold that against. Him. No, yeah, like like I think we do hold that against him and and that is it's still an amazing play. Like they're both amazing right, plays. Right, right. And, it's amazing and to watch that. I, I think it's more I think it's more to me like just a basketball fan, it's more of an amazing play to like Giannis's because he forced he played both players. It's like that two-on-one drill. You're coming down the court, and you have to – you either force the shooter. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. But he knows, hey, if I, like, do that – and, yeah, like, he he made a, a awesome play. And like you said, like, of course he might have been on a poster, but Giannis is going to be on posters, and he's putting so many people on posters. And I just feel like it would have been – it would have been, like, a cool alley-oop, but – I think it was a great block, but definitely yeah, not but better. The, okay, so the game was in the balance. I just want to – I'm playing devil's advocate here. Yep. I, no, I'm, yeah, I got you. I'm not going to tell you what I think yet, but but for one, coming back to what you said, you said that Giannis's athleticism should, on some level, be held against him. I What makes the LeBron block, I guess, so impressive is that he's so unathletic, you know, and uh, he just, it was all hustle, right? Like there's no athleticism or skill when it comes to LeBron. I've seen the same argument for people online. Oh, Giannis is six eleven. He runs like a four or five in his arms. Like he can reach out and open the, the back door from the front door of my living room. Like I don't give a shit because LeBron is also one of the foremost freaks of nature in American sports history. So my thing is, I'm just saying from a skill standpoint, 
LeBron ran in a straight line. Okay. J.R. Smith. And I love LeBron. So don't, don't call me a LeBron hater and don't say I'm trying to down LeBron. I know some, 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 uh, fanboys and fangirls online do that. Like anytime anybody perceives a threat to, to the <laughs> King dude, like I love LeBron. I'm the first one that has been caping for him for years. Um, when people said he was, he wasn't clutch or he was a choke artist. So this, that, and the third. LeBron James needed J.R. Smith bad on that play. J.R. Smith froze Steph and then altered the shot at the rim and gave LeBron time to catch up to him running in a straight line. And, and here's the thing. Giannis has made that play in this playoffs alone. So I'm just saying that you at least have to consider that these blocks from a skill standpoint are relatively close. What I am going to say, though, is this LeBron's block game seven uh, crunch time. It's a bigger moment. There's more magnitude in the game, but there's also more magnitude because it's LeBron's legacy and LeBron in at that juncture, at that crossroads in his NBA career, considering the shadow he's cast over the game, that's an enormous moment. Okay. So there's no way I feel like it's in the moment now, but like, be honest, be honest. Like in two years, I don't think you're going to remember this block. Like I do not yeah, feel like. I don't think that's going to be the fault of Giannis. I think it's going to be the fault of what we've talked about when it comes to like, hey, this finals is too smaller market. But that goes back to the main point that is it a better block? I feel like if we really thought that, <laughs> like then you would be like, yeah, like I will remember this block. And maybe we will remember this block, but I don't think so. I think the fact that, like you said, it was game seven, the magnitude of it. And for me, it's just that. Full court versus versus a free like from the free throw line like it was the optics of it is like amazing and just anyone who plays sports like that was a difficult play they're both difficult plays but I don't think it's some I don't think it's better than LeBron Buck like overall yeah I mean I and and I don't you know I I know nowadays when you have a take on something basketball related that kind of swims in the first take pool mm-hmm. um you have to get outraged when the other person thinks something differently I can't find myself getting like animated at either side of this argument I just think one personally I think takes a little bit I was a little bit more impressed with the skill that it took for for Giannis to do that because of there was an awareness element LeBron's obviously there's awareness and there's no doubt in my mind that he has more basketball IQ than Giannis due to his experience, his wealth of knowledge, and the fact that he can play a ton of positions. I'm just saying that on this play, Giannis had great basketball IQ. He had great feel. And then he made a really athletic play. And what's beautiful about this thing is you got one of those awesome uh, Renaissance-looking pictures, Renaissance painting-looking pictures. I don't know if you saw that one uh, that my man Dragonfly Jones uh, shared this morning, but it's like everybody's frozen in place Giannis's hand fully extended, Aiton coming down over top of it, and everybody on the bench is just up because that that was also crunch time. So kudos to Giannis, though. Like, talk about a heel turn. No, he did not learn how to like how to cross somebody up or how to Euro step somebody in a week. But what he has done is he showed toughness coming back from that knee. Um, and he's shown, you know, even though Middleton, you know, not shot the lights out, but he scored a lot. Um, he showed that he he's standing up in this in this moment so after I'm, being. I'm, well. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna keep it real with you. I think Giannis. Every time I think about him doing something good, I just think about how he's just so terrible at free throws, and it, <laughs> and it like it like lowers it for me because he's such a good player. But like to watch like a star go to the free throw line and just struggle so much, it, it's just like, oh, 
uh, like, I don't know, it takes it away from me. And maybe that's what's on my mind more about it. That's just saying like, he can't be the greatest, like, sh like shooting air balls, like, like somewhat consistently shooting air balls from the free throw line. I think that's crazy. Yeah, I just don't, I, I don't, I don't hold the, I don't hold his offensive lack of skill against him making that play. And you know, you know, like, yes, the fact that he made the play and he's the superstar definitely makes that play more interesting. But, you know, we've seen chase down blocks before as well. Just none as spectacular and as big a moment as LeBron's. And that's why it probably holds the crown. And I think the hot take would be uh, that Giannis has took more skill. But I do think Giannis has maybe took more skill. And I think LeBron's greater. If that makes sense to you, uh, I just think, you know, it's a little bit of a different conversation. Here's the question. Okay, we saw Giannis talking about having to tinkle. Yes, Giannis, that is a polite but bizarre way of saying you have to take a leak in the United States. I would say hit the head. I would say take a leak, as I just alluded to. I don't know. What am I missing? It, 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 take a tinkle is, is, is a very benign but very awkward way to say uh, you got to take a leak, especially for a guy who's seven feet tall. He's probably got to bend down as he goes into the powder room. Yeah, I don't... I don't know what his deal is. Like, is he, <laughs> is, is he just like drinking too much during like layup line? You think he's just hydrating crazy, just like chugging water to the point that the game's starting and nerves is just like, like he did it twice. Like, that's so weird. I feel like that's so weird. Well, I feel like it's something else. I feel like as the mayor of hydration uh, summer, I feel like this is stolen valor. I feel like Dude, are they are they like following him when he like leaves the court? Is he going right off the court? Maybe he's going to throw up. Like I know like people, if you drink too much, like maybe like the first running up and down. Like I've definitely done that at football games where I feel like I've drank too much during pregame, and then your first series, you could just feel like the water in your stomach, and you're just. Man, like, I think oh. I think he could be. I think he could be getting something. He could be taking a shot or something of that nature. He could be yeah. doing. Like that anything too. right now, you yeah. know, like he can also be taking a deuce, which people don't talk about. So like, if you no. got to take a deuce no. as a pro athlete, you just don't talk about it. the only person yeah, that ever that actually, quick. not that quick. Yeah. The only person that actually ever, like it was speculated on the highest level that uh do was taking a deuce was actually relatively recently was that, that barn burner of a game between Cleveland and Baltimore. And, and Lamar had the, the dookie trot off the field <laughs> You know, and came back and he said he was cramping, right? So, you know, that's about it, though. But, like, even if you go to take a douche, you probably don't share with no, the No, I world. think, honestly, I think it's what you said. Um, yeah. Like, it's probably a situation where the medical staff, they probably tell him, go out there and check it out. And if you don't feel right, like, come back and get this off shot or come get this shot and you'll go back in. I feel like... That, that sounds more, and it, it kind of, like, it doesn't really alarm fans and people who really don't know, like, too much about, like, the sports world and, like, what, what type of, like, medical stuff might be going on. But just like you said, like, in the last segment, he did take a nasty spill. Like, he took a nasty spill, and it didn't look like he was going to be back playing at the level that he is. So maybe it is something for maintenance for his knee, but I, I – the tinkle thing, I'm not sure. I'm not sure yeah, about that. So we'll ask you, the listener, how do you tell somebody at a dinner party that you got to take a piss? Uh, you know, I say hit the head. I, you yeah, say I want to use the bathroom. Yeah, I use the bathroom. But if there's something less explicit, what's your little like benign slang word? Because it's definitely not tinkle. Tinkle, as I said, like uh, it's a bizarre one to hear. Uh, and we have a mailbag alert here. Or, uh, this is a rogue mailbag. This is from Craig Pinton's. Um, and Craig, 
uh, is the athletic director at Loyola Marymount University. So I feel I feel very accomplished now. I really do. And I'm not being facetious. When I saw that, I was like, holy shit. Sometimes when I'm reminded that that powerful or successful people subject themselves to this, I feel better about myself than I did before I learned it. So thank you, Craig, for listening. And his question was, uh, have, have Macon and I ever been in tough situations where you really had to pee, you were well hydrated and you couldn't get out of that situation? He said something to that effect, but sorry, Craig, Dr. Fax is in the chair and I'm going to, I'm going to turn it over to him. Fax, you got any, uh, anecdotes? I've been on a few road trips driving, maybe going to Chicago and going through like Indiana and some of those Midwest like places. I wouldn't want to stop, so I've definitely like like hit the Gatorade bottle in the car, like before. But I'm trying to think. I've never really had Why would anything. You want to stop in Indiana. Um, just some of the places don't look stop friendly, <laughs> and and I'm a and, and I'm a drive through the night guy. So like, I, if I'm like even pulling up to a place and I'm like this place like looks sketchy, unless I really need gas it better have like the credit card thing because like, I'm not going inside. <laughs> like I'll wait for a gas station or whatever, unless it's dire, dire, but I'm just like, I don't like sketchy stuff like that. I'll give you one. I got to pee right now. Like I'm going to hold this thing all the way through the Pat Maroon interview. I got another one. When I was a kid, I used to ride a carpool up to Camden yards once a summer with a buddy uh, and his dad redacted. I told him I had to pee. Uh, around Walmart outside Charlottesville. This is a three-hour drive. He wasn't happy with that. Well, newsflash redacted. Kids have small bladders. Um, so I peed, got back in the car. Uh, lo and behold, an hour and a half later, what do I have to do? I got to pee again. Uh, so I let redacted know. And redacted, instead of pulling over for me, uh, just keeps driving the car and ignores me for a solid 90 minutes. Uh, that was the worst I've ever had to pee in my life was as a, uh, 14 year old kid on the way to Camden yards in 1999. Um, I also wonder this, how about presidents when they have to give some long ass speech, you know, their prostates are fucking huge, dude. Okay. They got to pee with regularity. What are they doing up there? They got a piss bag. I, I have no idea, bro. <laughs> According to some medical professionals, airline pilots have the largest bladders and can mm. hold their pee the longest. I love how they talk about airline pilots like they're animals. Like they're just like they're they're members of the animal kingdom. Like That's they're funny. different. Than I us. do I do wonder if, if my pilots on, on the way to Maui if they got up to go to the bathroom or not. That's bullshit, though, because I see those pilots come out of that pl that thing all the time. I see them come out of that thing all the time. I'll be in line for the bathroom and they'll cut the they'll cut me in line to take a leak. And I'm like, hey, whatever you do, just keep the plane in the air. But I don't want to hear how big your bladders are. I really don't. Also, first class man, privileges, graduation speech. I gave the graduation speech at uh, UVA a few years ago. God bless them for selecting me. Yours truly. But uh, I had to pee like something fierce dude and this is like you talk for 20 minutes in front of like thousands of thousands of young people uh that was probably number two i don't really have a number well i don't know if, if viewers know this or not but like football players like pissing themselves a lot like, like your, your favorite football player probably as at one point like during a game or practice like somewhat probably pissing themselves a little bit i can just tell you that 
Is that true? Yeah, I, I, I believe so. I can yeah. count on one hand the teammates that I've seen piss themselves willingly on the field. Really? So that's not a large percentage now. Not in my <laughs> locker room. Not in the locker rooms I was in. I feel like at UVA we had a few guys, or they would what you call it a lot too. Like they would build that the the janky little curtain on the sideline, and you take a knee and you piss like near the near the medical box if you had to go to the bathroom really bad. Oh yeah, it's trippy to pee on the sideline on a knee and like have a Gatorade towel in front of you and be staring into the, the eyes of like forty thousand people behind the bench, and they're like, "Wonder what's going on with him? He's getting stretched." And you're just trying to relax and take a piss. Dudes with stage fright, you're not going to want to play in the NFL. Let's get to Reed Roulette, okay, Cowboy? Concerning news regarding Richard Sherman, he was booked at 6.08 on Wednesday morning at the Seattle Correctional Facility for burglary domestic violence. This is a developing story. The 911 call was very quickly released and ridiculed, and there were some unconfirmed circumstances surrounding the arrest itself. But today, John Lynch announced that he will provide support and resources to Richard Sherman and his wife. Uh, more will come from this story, but what are both your thoughts uh, as of this afternoon? Well, no, number one, I'm I'm uh, I'm thinking about Richard Sherman. I'm thinking about his family. I mean, like when I first read that headline, I thought to myself, "Oh no! Like, am I going to have to lose like uh, somebody I consider a buddy or you know, like an, an acquaintance that I really respect?" Because I don't really, if you put your hands on a woman. Uh, you know, my, my view of you changes and, you know, like that's also a lesson, like read what each charge entails, because I think for a solid few hours there, we were thinking we had like your run of the mill domestic violence situation. And I'm not saying what happened wasn't, um, probably really jarring and, um, it's scary and it's probably tough for people to hear, especially Richard Sherman fans. Uh, so like, one, I'm relieved it wasn't the first thing. Two, that doesn't make it any less scary. Um, I, I, I'm thinking about Richard, and I hope, I hope he gets well. I, you know, like um, he's he's a good guy. He's got something going on, and you never know exactly what somebody's going through. So I don't want to speculate. Um, but at the same time, what I what I what I especially don't want to see speculated is any of this, this bullshit that some people feel like is the low hanging fruit. Hey, anytime a player is going through something, it's gotta be head trauma or CT or football did this to somebody. Um, I think that's disrespectful. I think it's tone deaf. And I think it also, um, discounts many of the things that regular people go through every day that when an NFL player deals with something like depression or anxiety or alcoholism or addiction of any type, um, you know, that doesn't mean that it happened because of the game we played. Those things are very real, but I just, I want to say that I hate when I see that. And I think some prominent uh, radio media members had speculated um, that it was something like CT that was causing this behavior. I hope Richard gets well. I just know that in other sports, when guys do erratic shit, we don't say anything to the effect of, of, of head trauma. So I want to respect Richard. Uh, respect his family's privacy. Just know that I'm wishing him well. And you never know what's going on with a guy, even if you're his teammate. You just don't always know, dude. Absolutely. Um, and my whole thing that I don't like when these situations happen and it's athletes or sports figures or just anyone that, that's kind of in the media or in the spotlight, it's 
this situation just happened and the the 911 call is already circulating and yeah. to me I, I just don't it doesn't do any justice to the situation and it, it's just one of those things for me it I don't know the numbers but a, a 911 I would think a 911 dispatch gets these calls very very frequent and obviously it's a it's it's more of an I don't know if it's excitement or like the the want for clickbait or whatever it is when you hear it's a, a NFL or NBA or MLB or NHL or or someone like uh, like a sports figure but it's like they don't they don't let the they don't release these calls like like when it just happens to regular people and for it to come out and then to hear the call and the way it went it it, it it's just it's it's messy and um I wish the best for Richard Sherman, his family. Hopefully everything can um, get worked out and hopefully they all get the help um, that they need. And um, it's just a, it's just a sad situation. If there's any collateral positive that happened here, I will say this, um, you know, his wife seemed to handle that like incredibly well, as well as she could. And, you know, I think it also, it also, in a way, like for some people that weren't sure if he was like engaged in a physical altercation with his wife, probably drove the point home that it was nothing of the sort. Mm -hmm. So like, I, I'm really bummed about this 911 call being out. Um, and, I, and I hope that uh, that Richard and his his folks, as we've said plenty of times here, get the help that they need and, and that we see him back on a football field. Because in my experience, Richard Sherman is a good man. And, uh, you know, he's, he's just he's just dealing with a rough spot. And a lot of people have over the last year. I feel like, I feel like COVID, the change in, in social uh, situations, the whole thing, you know, probably being away from football, that can be tough. So uh, wishing them the best. So some old football players got uh, some stats from Pro Football Reference. They've updated their pre-1982 sack totals. So players like Deacon Jones, Jack Youngblood, Alan Page, Carl Eller, Joe Green, and others will have their career sack numbers more accurately noted. Uh, the NFL has officially counted player sacks since 1982, and with these updates, Deacon Jones is now third all-time in sacks, beyond Bruce Smith and Reggie White. Jack Youngblood now sixth, behind Kevin Green. That means between 1961 and 1992, the Rams employed at least one legendary Hall of Fame pass rusher, switching between Jones, Youngblood, and then Green, all of whom would now be top six in all-time sacks. Are we excited for these older players to be recognized? I'm not excited because all those fucking great rushers for St. Louis move you down the all-time list. Oh, and, wow. like, the worst thing about playing for St. Louis is, like, you're all-time – like, if you're, like, eighth on, on the all-time team, like, maybe you're, like, three or two on other teams. It fucking – that part sucks. But it is cool to see somebody like Deacon Jones, who since passed away, who used to come to our practices and, like, talk to us, you know, get recognized so people could kind of put into context – what his body of work means. I mean, like sportsreference.com adding sacks from 60 to 81. It's an interesting conversation. Like how do we, how do we, you know, kind of put these guys into perspective and some guys over the weekend, some guys totals went up. Um, Gasno, you remember New York sack exchange, uh, Mark Gasno, who had some like legendary runs. Of course he was taking steroids, I believe. 
but he's over a hundred now after a bump of 33. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just mean, that's part of the legacy. I, I don't think it negates your whole thing, but you know, if, if you were on the juice, uh, you were on the juice, some technically never recorded a sack, but now like a guy like Al Baker has 23 sacks in one season in 1967, that was his rookie year. Can you imagine going on the scene with 23 sacks in 1967? So what well, were nobody... they, where were they recording those as? Is like TFLs or just tackles? I guess, I guess they were recording them as tackles or TFLs, but now these people went back and watched a fuck ton of tape and actually compiled these unofficial stats mm. into a little bit more of an official way. Like they're not official NFL stats now, but you know, that list of a top hundred rushers is now much different. So, and someone, of- so do you think these guys were like lobbying behind the scenes or someone had to be right? I or maybe like that- families or something. Like, I feel like you would probably want to lobby if they like, if your dad like had sacks and like they weren't recording stuff, be like, Hey, yeah, why, my why-? dad, my dad, I believe had like five or six sacks that weren't recorded. He ended his career with like 83. And if I had surpassed him and stuck around a couple more years, so I ended with 70, I was going to totally act like those didn't count. <laughs> what? Totally act like those didn't count. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like Deacon Jones, 173 sacks. Jack Youngblood now has 151. Uh, Alan Page now has more sacks than any defensive tackle all time. And on top of that, he's still alive to see it. He's 75. He was an associate justice of the Minnesota Supreme Court. Like what a legend. So some of these guys get recognized. It's just so fucking cool, man. And um, yeah, I was joking earlier about not liking it. It's really cool to see these guys sandwiched now in between dudes like, you know, Bruce Smith or Kevin Green. And now you see a a new face. It's like unlocking a character in Madden that for years I've stared at this list. And now these old like legendary names are on there. So it's very, very, very What what number are you now in St. Louis history? Oh, I don't know. It probably goes Kevin Green one. Um, Kevin Carter's ahead of me. Leonard Little's ahead of me. Um, and I don't know if Robert Quinn surpassed me as a Ram, uh, but I think I was in the top. Uh, well, Merlin Olson's now in there. Like you know, just what's your top ten? Yeah, yeah, I'm like top five or seven. That's I don't right. know seven. Seven, Reed, you can look Chris, that up. Chris, you are sixth with sixth. a 54 and a half in 114 career games. Number one is Leonard Little, 87 and a half in 147 career games. Aaron Donald is second, 110 career games with 86 and a, 85 and a half hey. career sacks. Yeah, well, like a half a sack a game. Yeah, me, half sack will get you paid. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you can play the run a little bit. But yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> Those are the names I had to contend with, man. And now there's more. I mean, the Rams have like the best D line of all time. I mean, like when you add up the numbers, I, I, you'd be hard pressed to find a, a better group. And I'm excluding myself. I feel like the guy that's not supposed to be there, even in the top 10. But like these fuckers are legends. And I'm really glad they're now on the list. Reggie Bush has partnered with Believe Entertainment Group to produce a documentary that will tell his side of the USC college football scandal during his time at the university. Interesting to see how this documentary plays out with Reggie producing as well as the impact of the recent NIL NIL laws. Are there any other athletes you'd like to see produce a documentary about their sports lives? I'll give you a curveball. How about uh, a Coen Brothers biopic on um on mike leach i don't know who it's played by maybe the guy in michael clayton who kind of lost his shit and is he still around i hope he's still around 
And I think that thing gets dark at the end when he moves to Starkville and joins the MAGA cult. But like, I think a, a Mike Leach biopic would be terrific. Other names that came up, uh, Vince Young, that that came up in the uh, studio here. Warren Sapp and The Rock. Um, Sue, Texas Tech with Harold Crabtree and Leach again came up. Uh, and Alabama and Saban. I, the one that, the two that really bent my ear here is Johnny Manziel. To me, we talked about him with with NIL and how much money you can make off of the field. He'd probably make as much as anybody, dude. He'd probably make as much as anybody in the history of college football. And I feel like that would be a really wide open dock if he was producing. Yeah, I also have to consider like a Tim Tebow documentary produced by Tim Tebow. That was mine. That was my big one. Yeah. I, I'm obsessed with Tim Tebow. <laughs> what is it about Tim Tebow? Just everything. Like the the whole thing, like I don't the whole it's one thing like he was homeschooled and then he becomes like the biggest like college athlete, I think in my life, lifetime, like hands down to like to me. And he's supposedly like this super like godly or church person. Like he's a virgin and like all this stuff was like circulating while we're in college. In Gainesville, dude. Like that's what I'm saying. Like I, I, I would want to hear the like the ins and out talk to maybe a few girlfriends at the time, like to hear if it's like BS or not, because just like oh, you, you said, I know he, I think he's genuinely, Tim, see, and you, I, you say that, but how do you know? Like, how do we really well, know? How do there, we know anything? There might be a girl out there who's like, Hey, like Tim Tebow, like rock me in college. Like he's, okay, he's okay. He, this is a family like, podcast. Oh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just saying like, I, I, I feel like maybe <laughs> that might be out there, but also too, like he, ha like, he was buddy, somewhat buddy, buddy with Aaron Hernandez. Like there's a lot of different angles to that. That's like, wow. Like Tim Tebow was a part of all this, like, like all this now going you, on. Now you've got my ear. I just don't want him producing it because I think it'd come out like a lifetime movie. But like, I think if you had one with the OA Gators, Tebow, Hernandez, Percy Harvin, the whole night and Percy Harvin was just knocking people out left and right. You we, know, we, like, went to, we went to that game. We went to one of the games. Me and you. Oh, we did. You're right. Yeah, Down there. Did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, down in Miami. <laughs> and that gave me chills, like seeing Tebow, like do the gator chop and like stadium pulse happening. Like That was crazy. That was a crazy night. That was a crazy night. And and on top of all that, Janoris Jenkins was there. And here's all I would ask. Pounty that brothers. That Janoris Jenkins. Ooh, that Janoris Jenkins narrates the thing. Janoris Jenkins narrates the whole thing. We do one on the 08 Gators. And we're gonna make a fuck ton of money. Actually, what you're saying that Janoris would be a very, very interesting like biopic, like for a college player. He went Dude, through a lot. He, he grew went up through in a, the muck. He grew up in the muck. He they grew up in the muck. Really, they they catch rabbits. Catch rabbits. <laughs> That's Jake one of my says, favorite favorite documentaries. Is there a documentary about the muck? Yeah, you have to see it. Oh my god! So the rabbits. The reason why they catch the rabbits at the end of sugarcane season, they burn the field so they get all the way level, and when they burn them, it forces the rabbits out. And so, like, the team that they were on, that's how they determine how you got to pick what position you were on the team. So the quarterback is usually the fastest kid because he caught the most rabbits because that's, that, that's a position you always want to play. Like, think about that. <laughs> Crazy documentary. I think they did oh. a 30 for 30 or something about it, but it's, it's unbelievable. The big kids are just when they just light the field on fire, just pull up a lawn chair, man. Like I'm saving my energy. I'm not catching <laughs> rabbits, dude. I know I'm a guard. I'm a guard. 
All right, so we covered a lot of ground there. Uh, let's get to three-time champ Pat Maroon, Patty Maroon. So Nate, this is this is my guy here. You guys just met uh, offline, but you know Patty Maroon, who is shitting gold the past thousand days or so of his life, uh, and has a big, a great deal to do with the success of the last three championship teams in Stanley Cup. He's joining us now from Tampa. Pat, are you still in, in Tampa? Oh, I just got back last night. I flew back to St. Louis, so I'm back in the loo, hanging and looking seventeen, bro. You shaved that beard, man. That's a hey. Shave logic all day. So listen, the funniest thing is like I had saw, you know, I didn't want to bombard you after the thing. So I text you, but then I saw the post uh, of you on the float or on the boat in this case. And I saw um, that look in your eyes. Oh yeah. <laughs> so in on that picture and screenshot it and sent it to you. It didn't have to say anything with it. I did. You knew what I was saying. <laughs> Would you tell me? I, um, what did I say? What, what did I say? Drunk for five days. <laughs> <laughs> lack of sleep. Lack yeah. of sleep. It's crazy. I mean, yeah. I mean, we were we were going hard. Our owner's kid was getting married, so we couldn't have the parade that weekend. So, like, the boys were just burning down the city all weekend until the parade came Monday. And like, when the parade came, like we were all hammered by noon, like all of us, as you can see during the parade, we were all running in the rain. Just fun. I don't know what we were doing, but it was fun. I mean, the fans deserve that more than anything, you know, dude, you guys are like uh, the new Boston. I was saying earlier, it's like Tampa is the city of champions. And I, I feel like, I feel like, well, one observation. And by the way, for people listening, the first interview I ever did in my life was Patrick Maroon. This was, was. this was about three years ago now. Yeah. Middle of the St. Louis Blues Stanley Cup run. And I thought it was cool because we knew each other from back in, in St. Louis and knew of each other mostly, but like run into each other a few times. And so I was like really excited for the, the hometown guy making a run. And lo and behold, three championships later, you've seen land parade in St. Louis. And now you've seen two by sea. So what's yeah, better, land or sea? You know, someone asked me that the other day and I'm like, you know, it's just so much easier to go up to the fans. But, I mean, a boat parade does look cool when you're going down. And there's, like, other – I just shocked how the boat drivers maneuver in that. I mean, it's pretty fucking impressive, man. And But I think the boat's cool. I really do. But I think land – I think just because you're so close to them. But, like, you know, I I walked down Market Street. I wasn't even in my float. Mm-hmm. Um I think we were kind of the first team, St. Louis, the first team to ever get out of their floats and like going in the stands and like party with them, throwing beers, hugging people, stealing the cops' bikes and riding the bikes. And it was just, but I think that's, that's fun because you're so close to them. You know what I mean? Boat's cool because you get to see, you know, the people surrounded by you, the wall, you know. Uh, the other boats partying, you know, what other guys are doing to the left of you, what other guys are doing to the right of you, like guys taking the Stanley Cup on jet skis. I mean, fuck, we had divers on staff because that thing was ready to go down, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like GTA, dude. Like people are in did, all did, types of vehicles. Didn't someone dent it? Didn't someone drop it? Didn't they You're get talking dented? to him. Oh. You're talking to him, bro. He dropped it. <laughs> oh. Yeah. 
man, it was a complete, complete accident. Obviously, we were drinking all day. And I, the cup keeper was behind me, and he, I went to go lift it. And where we were in, like, the family, like, where all the families were, there was, like, puddles of water. And it was so slippery, and my feet just went underneath me. And as I went to go pick it up, I'm going back with it. And I was like, oh, no, I might lose this thing. And I was, like, trying so hard to, like, not – and the cup just literally took me to the left of me, and I'm like, "Oh fuck, this oh, isn't good." Wait, how? So and how how heavy is it? It's thirty, I think thirty five pounds. Or oh wow, thirty four and a half pounds. That's pretty. So it's that's pretty, pretty heavy. Which, when you're drunk, that's seventy approximately. Oh no, yeah, that's yeah, pretty heavy for sure. <laughs> yeah, they were cool. I mean, they seen way worse. That's for sure. And it was they they knew it was a complete accident. The only thing I felt really bad for is the guys because they were supposed to go out that night, and I kind of, I didn't mess it up, but <laughs> my my feet and my drunkness. This, I mean, it was so, I was so top heavy, like the thing's heavy. So like when, like you said, it feels like seventy. Uh, but fuck, it was literally a complete accident. You know, people are saying I we disrespected it, man. Like shit happens. You know, like I'm sure the Lombardi Trophy's been fucked up before. You know what I mean? Like, well, the good thing about the the thing that's so different, and this is what's cool about y'all's thing is like, you get from what I understand, it's the, the same trophy every year, and you know they etch it in, and then like you spend a day, yeah. which everybody knows and sounds really cool. Like, like I got my two trophies, but you got to get them made. So like the the risk is not there, and it's much more easy to handle a, a Lombardi trophy. That thing's like super light, yeah. and um. And really, like when I held it for the first time, I was like, this is not this is it. But like, oh, I could like get fancy with this thing. Like moving that Stanley Cup looks like moving a refrigerator or something. It's like not only heavy, but it's awkward. Yeah, it's heavy for sure. It's heavy. What did they say? So you say they've seen worse. Oh, yeah. Way worse. Talk to me. About I mean, fuck. <laughs> like it's anything. I mean, I you know I, I apologize to them. They call me the next day. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but like Patty, it's things happen like don't worry about what happened he's like i said i'm just more worried about people saying i disrespected it or our team did because no one knew really who did it or what what happened and like pat you literally you fell like you literally slipped anybody like you weren't like you weren't like doing something acrobatic with it you weren't like it could happen to anybody it could have happened to you in the middle of the freaking families and i just literally slipped off my back's been killing me ever since that was was my next question did it fall on top of you it seems like that (laughs) no it didn't because it like it fell to the side like that and i was trying to hold the whole thing up like and i was still in my hands and but what are you motion, do, like, like slow motion feeling, like slow motion feeling, like you know when you're fucking yeah. up ice or like on the field, like when we used to fuck up on the field, it happens so slow, so slow, so methodical, <laughs> just like, and you're like looking around, making sure no one sees what just happened. But well, I don't know, the cup was dented until we lifted it back up, and I saw it. I was like, oh shit, no, this would happen to me. This would happen to me. Well, listen, statistically speaking, you've won it enough that like it could have happened to anybody. Enough people win it three times, they're either bound to drop it or I just think like it's amazing that you told me you had to wait five days for the parade. Like there's no say uncle in y'all hockey guys. Like, dude, like no. the football players, we would have gone so hard for three days. And it's not that y'all go any less hard, but we would have said like after day three, like, fuck it, let's take a day off. I feel like 
Maybe I'm wrong. And on top of that, I think it's the toughest parade in pro sports because you guys just get done with like this grueling marathon of a playoff. And then you got to get drunk immediately. In fact, game five, tell me, did you crack a beer under that table? Which table? Press table afterwards. Were you, were, yeah, did you, you hear it? I heard the beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which table? I had, I had, <laughs> I had two in my hand. The one was behind the one was behind the uh my name and then I poured it and I finished it real quick and then I went behind the thing and I cracked one. But I don't yeah, we get after. We didn't leave the rink that night till like I don't know, five in the morning. Four now, in the morning. Was, what's Pat Maroon's uh hangover cure? Is there any besides hair of the dog? Just get back on a hair of the dog. Just get back on the piss right away. So you got to hit it. If you hit it hard, you got to hit it back harder, you know? Yeah. So what did you think when the Tampa Bay mayor said that she wanted you to lose game four so that you could win at home? Oh, game five? That was like, it was just like, why do you say that in that moment? So when we went up to the mayor and I actually hugged her, I was like, why'd you say that? Like, just don't, she goes if that would have backfired on game five too i really would have been nervous but she had a speech ready but it rained uh it rained (laughs) on the the cup parade so like we're like ready for it so because i think she was getting she was getting mean threats by the tampa fans like why would you say that but it it worked out i mean it was a one nothing game it was very stressful but it worked out Last year, you're in year three of this run. You just wrap it up. How hard was it? Like, I guess this is a general conversation. Nate and I have, you know, playing the NFL and knowing like the way coaches handle things. I've been on one team that tried to repeat because when I was in New England, then I moved on to Philly. So we couldn't repeat or I couldn't repeat there. Um, Coaches, I felt like made too big a deal about like the fact the elephant in the room, like this is hard. Not a lot of people do it. And I feel like it almost becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you say enough that like, guys don't have that slump, don't slack off, don't get complacent. Then guys are distracted and they're in fact, not thinking about what they need to do. You having won three in a row, if you're the coach or, you know, you're managing a team, like what is your message to a team? Like what's the key to defending? Yeah. I think our message will start, started with our jam in the summer. I'll give you short stories. Like I'm, because we're going to try to get everyone back. I think we can run it back. And I think the message when we had our meetings too is like, we can run this thing back. I think we have all the tools in the room to run this thing back. And the message in the room by Coop, which is he's such a good talker and he knows when the respondent at the right time, he knows to say the right things at the right time. I think it was just say, Hey, listen, like remember that feeling that we had when we won you, you know, we didn't have our cup parties. We didn't have, you know, the families in the room. We didn't have the fans in the in the stands when we won the cup. Like, just imagine that feeling we had after we won in Edmonton in the room with just the guys. Imagine that times 10 with fans around, you know, families around. Like, they could get witness you guys to mm-hmm. see you achieve something so special, but to be part of history, too. Like, this is something a lot of teams – a lot of teams don't do in such a short period of time. Like we won two Stanley cups in under a year. I mean, that's unheard of. 
Yeah. So like his message was just like, go back to that feeling you guys had and go back to the feeling that we, you know, with you in the locker room and, you know, working with the guy beside you and, you know, go out there and do it. Cause you know, Pittsburgh did it a couple of years ago, but you know, it's hard to do. I mean, teams did it in the eighties when there's, you know, like the dynasty is like Long Island, you know, Edmonton and then Montreal back in the day, Toronto in the sixties. But like, you're talking about two thousands, no other team besides Pittsburgh. You can be in category of, you know, history. And I think that was a message and he, he always had the right things to say. And it was pretty, pretty remarkable, man. Like, you know, we played 56 games this year, but we played every other single day plus the playoffs. We played every other single day. I mean, that's, that's pretty hard to do. And the guys grinded so fucking hard, man. I was so impressed with the way we won this year, the last year, just because guys were playing hurt. You know, McDonough was, you know, should have been up for the con Smythe, but you know, he's playing with a broken hand. Cooch is playing with a broken rib. His hips hurting. Like, you know, guys were hurt and it was our star players that were hurt and just grinding through it. And I feel like I still feel it. I know you guys will probably maybe disagree. I feel like hockey players are the toughest when it goes through like mental stage of like playing hurt. You know, Alex Corn blocks a shot in the first first game. He's skating on his foot you know, game three, trying to play. So it's yeah. just like, it was pretty cool to see that adversity that would hit our team and how we respond to it. And just the messages that we got across to the guys from Coop and, you know, the leadership in our group. Yeah. Despite my best efforts to troll hockey fans, if any of them are actually listening, I do think, I do think hockey have the toughest guys because it's a totally different. I was talking to uh, Bissonette about this. It's like a totally different, toughness it's like y'all are okay with your teeth getting knocked out and shit like that that little puck would scare football players a lot <laughs> like nate nate like, puck, dude. Yeah. like same with me we're like we we got the big collisions and that sort of thing and y'all do too and y'all are in fact skating faster when you hit each other ours are more frequent but i would say the crown goes to hockey yeah. and i guess i would ask like what does that feel like to play every other day like physically when you show up to the rink I don't know if he was like bag skating y'all or like whatever y'all call it, morning skate and that sort of thing. Yeah. Practice is like different. Like if we lose, we get bag skated. Like, you know, you try to get to the guys, he'll bury you, you know, he'll send a message. Morning skates, morning skates, just a pregame skate. It literally, it might take 12 minutes. It's just a skate around, like do a couple of drills. It's just a more feel the puck. But, you know, going to the rink every day, you know, sometimes – you can't even get out of bed. Your back hurts so much, but you're like, all right, listen, I get paid too good not to, you know, be there with the boys. And like, you know, obviously you'll take days off. You'll take a maintenance day. Most of the, you know, top end guys will take maintenance guys, maintenance days, but it's just a grind, man. Like, but I think the most important thing for me is the locker room feel when you first walk, like you might say, fuck this. I hate fucking, you know, practice is going to suck today. But once you step foot in the locker room, I think having the boys smile and laughing and, you know, sweating and banging out together. I mean, that's, I'm sure you miss that too. You know, that's the best part about all sports. You get to freaking, you know, spend the most time. That's your family. Like that's more my family than, you know, going home when you're playing. So, um, you know, waking up some days sucks, but I think most importantly is going to the rink every day, knowing you get to, fucking joke around with the boys, you know, stories from last night for the young guys, you know, you're trying to re 
try to just, you know, just live through them, you know, and just kind of banging out with them, man. It's, it's, it's a blast, but you know, there's always some uh, pains and stuff that goes with it. You know, we bitch a lot, you know, we're, we're human. We're supposed to bitch. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's so, part of being a pro athlete. I feel like it's yeah. there bitch in a locker room, like bitch about the coaches, bitch about yeah. the injuries, bitch about like the, the practice length. Like that's part of the balancing act of, if I got to go do this, I get, I get to complain about it too. For sure. A hundred percent. And like, sometimes you got to give, give it back to the coaches too. And like, you know what I mean? It's just part of our, how we, how we, you know, operate. And I think people don't realize, you know, we're allowed to, I know we make millions of dollars, but listen, like we're allowed to bitch too. Just like mm-hmm. you bitch at us on Twitter all the time. We're mm-hmm. allowed to have a bad game and, you know, tell the fucking coach, you know, whatever, but that's just, that's just the way it goes. Is it weird to like, when you, when you guys finished this run, like I remember when I left new England, the last time I saw that building, like was the, the day after the parade, like I was in there blackout getting my stuff and then i left like obviously i got to ride home but like then i didn't see there's people i haven't spoken to in person since that day and like i wonder you know um aren't you guys gonna lose maybe one guy to the expansion team yeah. you know, there's definitely free agents every year is it a weird feeling do you guys need a break do you miss each other after two weeks because you have been together for like the better part of two years now yeah it's weird i you know we have a group message and we just, you know, guys message, Hey, I'm leaving. Love you guys. We'll, we'll always be champs forever. You know, I, it just sucks. Cause you don't go back and see everyone say goodbye. You don't go to everyone's house. So like you, you might not see that guy again, unless we play him again and like hug him after the game, making sure he's doing all right. But yeah, it's just, it's weird. Like you said, that's kind of weird. You haven't been back to Glad stadium. I mean, yeah, it's bizarre. Like I can't like. I guess that happened to me in St. Louis. I guess I literally got up and I signed in Tampa, and it's just weird that like you go to the rink and you're not. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I never. I think the text messages are great because we have a Stanley Cup St. Louis group chat that we keep. Everyone keeps up with. Oh hell yeah! We have a, we have a Tampa. Tampa one from last year. We all bullshit with each other. And now we have, uh, the COVID cup. We named it the COVID cup this year. So, or was it last year? So we, I mean, we all group messages that we can all keep up and, you know, just send some random shit some goofy shit to keep up on. And like, if someone does something stupid during the game, they'll post, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the way we can keep up. I mean, thank God for iPhones, but bad for iPhones and social media too at the same You're damn time. Right. You're damn right. You talk about the COVID year. That was grueling for everybody. I know like just like so crazy from what guys were saying, but on top of it, you get to the big stage and you're in Edmonton, like no offense to Edmonton, but was it not like the dead of winter in Edmonton? And like, how fast did y'all want to get out of there when you won? <laughs> oh fuck! I feel I like y'all teleported I, back I, to Tampa, bro. It was like, I oh fuck! Edmonton. So I played in Edmonton for two years. So I told the boys when you got there, I said it's going to get cold, but it was it was nice. It, it was still September, and it wasn't freezing just yet. Uh, but yeah, man. I mean, we had it really good in Toronto bubble. The Edmonton bubble was bad. It really was. I mean, I'm not chirping Edmonton because we didn't see. I mean, we just literally have a we had a courtyard of a concrete slab, and that was it with the Tim Hortons truck. 
And that was it. I mean, that's all you saw in one restaurant downstairs. And, you know, I'm not chirping the hotel. I mean, or the NHL. I mean, that's, I'm so happy they got this done. Right. And they, but I felt bad for the guys that were in Edmonton the whole time. Like Dallas was like in Toronto, we had a pool, you know, we had the MLS stadium we can go to and play football, play spike ball. Like Mm -hmm. if you, if they had the Eskimo stadium, but you had to take a bus and drive there. Like we didn't have to, we literally walked everywhere. So it was nice. We had great time. And the Edmonton bubble was a struggle. Thank God. I mean, once you got past the, once you got to the conference finals, you're like, all right, let's just bang this out. We have two more series to go for, you know, you know, eight more wins. Like, let's do this, you know, suck it up for now. How grueling is like playing in the fourth longest game in NHL history? Y'all played, was it against Columbus? Yeah. It was nuts. It was nuts. Guys were getting IVs in between intermission. It was like, at that point, you're just like, get me home. Like, come on, someone please score. Like, this is – guy. you're going to see it. Guys couldn't even move. It was like a slow-paced hockey game by that point. Like, I think guys played over an hour. Some guys played over an hour uh, of ice time. So, like, it was, it was crazy. I mean, it was just nuts, like, to be a part of history like that, you know? And how good does it does it feel like, you know, your Bennington was electric like at multiple junctures in that run, dude. Like he was just insane. And uh you guys got a goalie now, uh Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky yeah. I say that name so I don't fuck Vasilevsky, it up. Vasilevsky, you said it right. You guys Andre have Vasilevsky. For, you guys have nicknames for everybody. What do you call him? Yeah. Great cat. Okay. <laughs> good. <laughs> Tell me about that cat. Because he likes cats and he's big. We call him Big Cat. <laughs> oh, cease and desist. Pardon my take. I wonder what makes those guys tick. Is there something that like goalies have in common to be able to do that? Like besides just they're crazy. And then what makes this dude special? I think for me that makes him special is just how athletic he is. Like he's ripped. Like he competes hard. He competes hard in practice. He works at his craft on and off the ice. He's you know he's a very competitive goalie um and the thing that is mind-blowing to me you know he makes a save and there's a rebound you think he's down and out like there's no chance in hell he's getting it he's so acrobatic that he comes across and he just makes a save he makes like the second and third save that a lot of goalies can't save you know what i mean he's long he's lanky he's flexible like it's pretty it's pretty remarkable to see him like He's ultimate the best goalie, and I think he he might go down as one of the best goalies in NHL history. I know you get the Patrick Waz, the Marty Berners, but like you're in this generation, guys are faster, guys shoot the puck harder, guys are more skilled, you know, guys are more in shape. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, powerful and just the way he competes and goes down. I mean, Mark Andre Fleury is probably going to go down the history books too. He's one of the best goalies to ever play the game too, but like. I think we'll never see another generation bully like this. I mean, he is just a stud. Wow. I mean, it's just so fun to watch him. Like, you think, you know, the cool thing about him, Vassie, is like we'd win one nothing, we'd give up, you know, 18 shots. But good game, Vassie goes, I was bored. He wants like 60 shots a night against him. Like, he wants like, like he wants to be active because he feels like he's not on his game if there's like not a lot of action. So, uh, it's, Where's it's, he from? 
Russia. Mother Russia. Okay, so what? Mother uh, Russia. So, so I asked Bissonette this: What's different about the Russian guys other than the accent? Like, are they just like the stereotypes? The dudes that just you know, can just face vodka and they like ride four wheelers out in the freezing cold and you know they're doing <laughs> lighting cars on fire and shit. Are they just crazy? I've been fortunate to play with some good Russians, like some like cool, like good, like you know, we've got some good Russians that like you know like to get after and party it up. Obviously, you can see Cooch. Cooch, fun, Cooch is funnier in hell. And, uh, but like, yeah, man, they like to drink vodka all, you know, like that's just their thing. They like to go. So like these, the three Russian Sergachev, Vasi and uh, Cooch, they go find Russian restaurants every, everywhere we go. So like, so finally this year, but no, before COVID hit the year, the first year we won the cup, he took uh, some of the boys out. We're like, we're like, why don't you ever invite us? Like, why is it always just you three? So like, they took us to this whole Russian routine. We were drinking vodka after vodka after vodka. I was like, is this what you guys do all the time? They're like, no, but like, this is, we're giving you like the Russian dinner treatment. Like, this is what we do. <laughs> you just get blackout at dinner. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, Night before a game. It's great. Do European <laughs> guys get to take that thing to Europe? Like you, you get to take the cup home to St. Louis is easy. I know you had a killer party a couple years back, um, but like, do they get to take that thing overseas, European cats and, you know. Yeah, Russia. they have to. Yeah, they get to. Yeah, absolutely. I know last year they couldn't, but uh, uh, this year, I think with COVID, I think with everyone being vaccinated or whatnot, I think you can take it over now. So. And the guys with the white gloves fly it over? Yeah, they fly it over. Wow. Pretty crazy. That is crazy. I want to ask you about the hardest thing about this last two-year run. You played a lot of playoff games. I know it's been grueling, but probably the hardest thing for you maybe is that you haven't been able to fight in the playoffs. Is that something? Fight? Yeah, you can't really fight in the playoffs. No. Like I know you want to fight, no. <laughs> but I'm like, you, you, you're now you're Mr. Playoffs. So how hard is yeah. it? What's the dance like? Like where you're like, are usually I would fight this guy in the regular season. Are you a big prearranged the fight guy? I think we talked about this a few years yeah. ago. Fresh people. I think the playoffs fighting kind of goes out of the picture only because just you need all four lines to win a championship and like you need to be effective and you know people are going to you know once you know once it starts people running around then you have to like, like hey like slow it down but like. You might see that. Like I fought Matt Martin this this playoffs. You know we needed a jump start. They beat us the first game and they kind of ran around, and I kind of asked them to fight. But I think you know after that you just kind of want to play hockey. You know what I mean? Like regular season. You know you get the guys that ask you or you ask them. It's kind of it is what it is for me. But I think during the playoffs you kind of just need everyone and you don't want to do something you know out of the ordinary take a stupid penalty like go jump someone because he's running around because if you do that then it could cost you the series or whatnot so you got to be careful pick your spots pick your energy spots you know when you're going to do it if you're going to do it so it's a lot harder in the playoffs i feel like does it um do you get like green lighted by you know coaches for that yeah, I'll look behind the bench and be like, hey, Coop, you need me to ask this guy to fight? Is a perfect time? He's like, he'll be like, no, yes. So he gives me the green light. And I kind of know when to go, when not to go, when the momentum's shifting, when's, when we need it or when we don't need it, too. So if someone asks me, I'm like, no, I'm not fighting. It's not the time, you know? So 
then I might get the same answer by someone else and be like, Hey, we're going to be like, no, we're not fighting. So, and then if you're asking those guys in the playoffs, you kind of just, you're like, no, I'm not, this is not the time. So, cause they're trying to change momentum. Not now. <laughs> um, no, not right now. So, I don't want to so, get my ass kicked just yet. Yeah. Well, Jake Paul said that he could beat up Paul Bissonette. You really think that? I don't think you, you think that necessarily. Listen, what he's doing is remarkable, Jake Paul. Yeah, I think he what he's doing, he's marking himself. Like, you can't really knock the kid for what he's been doing, being a shithead. But I think if you put a hockey player in a boxing ring, I mean, he's got to train. I think Bissonette's got to train. I think, but we <laughs> box cool. in the summer. But I box in the summer, but I'm not like a boxer. I think I need to train my shoulders, like, how to stay up. Like, because if you drop them, you're going to get popped, right? So... Mm-hmm. And the thing is with us, we hold jerseys too. So we're basically, you know, we're holding jerseys. We're doing all that. So I don't know. I think I can, I can see Paul, if he, if he gets in shape and stuff and like gets his shoulders in shape and like, I think he, he can take him down. Here we go. Yeah. The, 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 dude. I, I be- just feel like right now these fights are like, they're, I think that he's telling these guys, Hey, if I knock you out, I'll give you more money. Like, I don't think so. I think people really want to knock this kid out, and they can't. No, I think I think Floyd was playing a game with him. I think Floyd was definitely playing a game with him. And I get yeah. it mixed up. Was Floyd fighting Jake or Logan? I really don't think Logan. Logan. Okay. Not Jake. Not Jake. Well, Everyone Logan's like Jake. Six, isn't Logan like 6'4"? Like, yeah, Logan's like, a little bigger. How how big is uh, Mayweather? I mean, I mean, that's not even like a – He's tiny. I feel like – Yeah, Mayweather tools – like, he fooled – like, he can sit in a ring with someone all day and people are, he's going to, he, like he says all the time, you can boo at me all you want, but this is how I fight. You can't, if you don't hit some, you can have a hundred punches one round, but they, they didn't hit them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, the, I don't who's know. The, who's, who's the last UFC guy you guys would want to have to fight. Ooh. I mean, the St. Louis boys fighting. Tyrone Woodley, he's a beast. I used to train with him a a little bit. He's an absolute dog. After seeing Greg Hardy get dropped, whatever dude he fought, (laughs) I don't want (laughs) to hurt that guy because he dropped him hard, bro. Oh, my. He did. He knocked him out. Goodness. All that means is that that cat can do all the core in the world. It's not going to make him any better. He's just a cement fist motherfucker, dude. No, it's just like, and I love that, that his body shape isn't really the the body type and he doesn't have abs or like rip definition, but like that, that that's not what fighting is. Like, I think ultimate no. fighting might be the most inclusive sport in the world. If you dude. think about like, it like that, it definitely is. Or, you know, you can be whatever height. I mean, I used to watch those guys in the geese back in the day when UFC was like people wearing karate outfits mm-hmm. and you'd have like one 400 pound guy trying to fend off like these, these head kicks from this little guy like yeah yeah ufc is an inclusive sport pat one more question and i'm gonna let you go man thanks for the time um three-year run what is the contribution you're most proud of it could be like in the locker room uh or it could be a play a moment Uh, i'm definitely curious about the latter though is there a moment that sticks out Uh, i know the goal might be at the top of your head honestly i think just the leadership i i took on the last three years and like how I've merged into a, you know, a locker room guy that kind of helps to kind of, you know, molds the players to play the right way. And kind of, you know, for example, Cooch, you know, he didn't really speak up 
you know, you know, language barriers, big, big problem in the NHL. I'm like, you got to make those guys feel like they can say what they need to say during intermission, during the game and make them feel comfortable. And I think I've, I've taken that next step of like understanding, like those guys are so important to us. And if they're not speaking, cause they're our leaders and they're some of our best players, we're going to have problems. And I think, I think that's, you know, obviously being a part of history the last two years, I think, you know, I haven't had the playoff numbers I really wanted the last three years, but, but I mean, that I think, you know, you people don't see the other side of like what I do and, you know, how I can help a team. I'm, I know I'm pumping my own tires, but I think people need to understand you need guys like that, that anyone can come up to and talk to if they're struggling. You know, if a rookie gets called up, you make them feel welcome. You know, you grab their phone, you put your number in there and say, hey, man, call me if you need me, if you have a bad game or anything. I think that's the most important thing. And that's the most thing I'm very proud of the last three years of just how I've held, held myself and, you know, been a good locker room guy and team guy for everyone. So, you know, I just try to be that guy. You know, when someone needs me, leans on me, I'm there for them. Dude, well, count me in a group of people that's incredibly happy for you, man. Like, this is just... Thanks, I appreciate it. Hey, I just had to pass yeah. you, you know? You had to, yeah, you uh, did. <laughs> you fucking asshole. You know what it was? <laughs> It was like, it was like we did the interview and then the energy went through the microphone to you. And then you took the torch and just shit on me with three. I had, Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so congrats, bro. Tell the family hi and, and live it up and get some sleep. I, man. I have to say one last thing who I want to be in a ring with is remember Kimbo slice. Cause oh. I'd be a heavyweight in the UFC. That guy would, mm. that guy would eat me for lunch. Yeah, you know who it would be for me? Because I'm just like, maybe I'm a prisoner of the moment, but Francis Ngannou. I just, oh, wow. I shook his hand at the ESPYs, bro. And I like, I, I really understood when I shook his hand because that hand is a little heavier than mine. And I got a big ass mitt now. So, yeah, Francis Ngannou. It's crazy. You- I mean, those guys are freaks, man. I mean, they'll, they'll, oh, yeah. one punch, it just goes to show you, like, I mean, look at Connor's leg when he got hit. Like, oh, oh dude, oh. I ain't trying to do. I ain't trying to do all that. Oh. You got like those leg kicks alone oh. would knock you out. Can you imagine? Do you like you ever like just hit your shin on like the bottom of your bed or something? How bad that hurts? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> imagine it like just snapping. <laughs> You're laying no. on the ground, rubbing it, like trying to get the pain oh. out. Oh. Oh. Oh, I'm just you know, and like. I think shock takes over, but I'm pretty impressed with people being able to just sit there like my legs broken. I've seen dudes on the field. That no, he did a, he did a out. whole interview. Yeah, I know he did an interview, but you've <laughs> seen dudes on the field too that like yeah. didn't have a oh, camera yeah. there, and they just look over to the sideline. And they're like, my legs broken. Like I've heard a guy like we see that dude. I can see <laughs> like it's trying to push out of your skin suit, man. Like just so anyway, yeah, it's crazy, man. Like. <laughs> That's a that's a good thought to end on. <laughs> well, I was watching that USC. The one guy, I was literally watching him. I don't know. It was a couple of weeks ago, and he was trying to play on. He hit the you know the nerve in the back of your leg, and it goes numb. It's just like drop foot. He's still trying to play, and then he was getting choked out. And he's like, "No, my leg." It was just like it. It was just, and then oh, it's just gnarly. Those guys are just like you have a different mentality, man. Oh, even from you or I, bro. <laughs> I, just, I just don't. I just no. Thank you. Not for a living. No, thank you. No. In a while. Um, Patrick Maroon, three-time champ, bro. The best. Thank you, man.
Thanks, guys, for having me. I appreciate it. It really means a lot to me to come on the show. Dude. Hope you boys are staying well. Hope you're liking retirement. Loving it. You'll join me eventually after you win another like five or six. And uh, and, and we <laughs> hey, we gotta we gotta get drunk this off season. You gotta come to the cup party. When is it? Where is it? Uh, it might be in September now. So we're trying to sort that out. So I'm fucking there, dude. I'm there. Just call you me. Gotta, you gotta come. You gotta drink out of it. Because you can't drink out of the Lombardi trophy. You got to drink out of the Stanley Cup. I would love it. I would love it. I would yeah. love it. All right, bro. That was lit. Yeah, he's the man. He's such Yo, a good dude. That's so funny. I really, did, I, I had no idea he was the one that That's the it. moment, bro. That is the moment did, did, right there. Did they, I know you weren't acting. <laughs> no, did they? Is there a video of him falling? Like or no, like like it, they, they just, it just came out that it got dented. Someone took a picture and published it but there's no video i wonder what that looks like for those guys the white hand like the white um, yeah. glove people white glove like guys. what what that like they were saying that all the encouraging stuff to him but like behind closed doors like this motherfucker like do they have to oh, call yeah. do, do they have to call like a welder or like what are they doing like, no, like it's, honestly. it's silversmiths like silversmiths were freaking out about tom brady throwing the trophy the lombardi trophy and i'm sure there's some silversmith that was mad at Tom Brady. That's even more mad at Pat Maroon and a, now. And a silversmith is a blacksmith for silver. I'm guessing or no? Yeah, it's like the it's like a blacksmith <laughs> for silver. That's a really that's <laughs> like I was just guessing, but yeah, like no, I, I could right. just imagine like he him saying that like listening to him, I was like yo those guys were probably like this fucking asshole, but like Bro. just like because they probably have insurance for that stuff obviously, but it's mm -hmm. just like having to tap into that and like it's something that doesn't happen all the time and how quick do you have to get that fixed and how quick like can you just find someone on a drop of a dime like yo come fix the stanley cup <laughs> awesome to hear from pat and it was even better to hear you like learn something oh, because man. i didn't tell you anything about pat other than that's my buddy and he just won his third title so like you're not a big hockey guy i thought that was really cool <laughs> Um, let's talk about the Olympics real quick, mm -hmm. uh, before we get dip set and locks and we get the hell out of here. The Olympics, we were tasked with picking our five can do's and five can't do's. Now I couldn't have named 30 of these Olympic, you know, events, let alone 10 of them, but there's at least 30 on this list. And one thing today for the first time in my life, I, I realized that it's not a bobsled. It's a bobsleigh. Bobsled. Bobsled is what I've said. Yeah, well, they say Bob Slay on the site. What site are you looking at? I was the Olympic site, bro. I'm just saying, maybe Cool Runnings needs to rethink that whole thing because whole generation of kids are saying Bob Slay. Yeah, uh, and Bob also, Slay. Yeah, yeah. It's, you feel stupid now, don't you? Listening at home, you're like, you're looking, you're squinting your eyes, you're googling. You're wrong, dude. I was wrong. You're wrong. Cool Runnings lied. I just want to say this. I don't know if anybody's played Can Jam at home, but. Can Jam needs to be an Olympic sport. You know what Can Jam is, Nate? Yeah, I agree. Because this is something I've been doing in the backyard for years with me and the boys, Ben, Kenny, Anthony, Mike. I mean, we've played Can Jam where you got to hold a beer. And that's the rule. I don't know about you, Reed, how you play it. But, Nate, it's the Frisbee game where you got to throw it in the slot. You know, it's like a trash bucket with the slot in it. And you throw the yellow Frisbee and try to get it in the slot. If it hits the thing, you get a certain amount of points. If it goes in the slot, the game's over. Sounds like Frisbee golf. <laughs> it's not similar, Frisbee golf, similar. bro. It's it's even wider. Yeah, very. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to. I don't want to be the one to say that. But when you started, you can say that. You're yeah. definitely allowed to say that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
<laughs> that definitely think, sounds very, very white. I think that's a pretty benign. Uh, Almost as white as that new game. I see everyone playing at the beach with the little trampoline and you're like spiking the ball. Spike ball, spike like, ball dude. Yeah. I, I can't get it. <laughs> I don't understand. The, the rules of can jam are you put the two, the two trash cans that have slots in them far apart. Like, so a slot kind of like a mail slot. Yeah, it's a mail slot okay, in a cool. black plastic trash can yeah some can jams are actually white because they're glow in the dark i have a glow in the dark set and so you try to hit the the bucket all together if you hit the bucket without somebody tapping it you get what do you get three points if you hit the bucket without somebody tapping it i believe you get two it, points if the person hits it in the top read I, and you get, I think a bunch of people played a bunch of different ways but you get a certain amount of points if i throw it and you're my teammate and you slap it into the bucket uh, you, I get a, we get a certain amount of points if I throw it and I just hit the bucket and you win the game by throwing it into the, the mail slot. Um, you can right. also win by getting two twenty one so points or however many points. This is yep. set up like, um, what's the beanbag game? Corn yeah, hole. like kind of like oh, uh, it's set up like is you like my one of my one teammates over here and one teammates over here. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Here's a here's a hill I'm willing to die on. Cornhole is inferior to can jam. And should be an Olympic sport, can jam that is. No, nah, so, corn, cornholes on ESPN, bro. Don't knock it to you. There's a lot of stuff on ESPN now, dude. There's going to be people shooting bows and arrows at targets. Then here's the ESPN. thing: Why don't you start an annual corn like uh, a championship and then lose to someone? Can jam championship. And then you'd be upset. You'll be upset because, um, like, there's probably people out there that's way better than you. And yes, yeah, called my other three friends, especially <laughs> when I start drinking. Um, all right, so Olympics. What are your five can-do sports that you think you could do with enough training? And guys, we're being funny here. Like we don't really think this, or maybe we do on a few of these. You speak for yourself. So my top <laughs> one is skateboarding. What? What? Is skateboarding <laughs> Olympic sport? Yeah. Why are you mad? Let me. Can I say my list? Yeah. Go. Karate is number Uh-oh. two. Okay. Curling is number three. Uh-huh. Skeleton is number four. And I put figure skating for number five just because how, they've never how, seen a big body on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> so you're all niche when it comes to figure skating. Like, like it's just it's a you have a point of difference here. Yep. I think whatever I, partner I had. Like, I'll be able to toss her up higher, better stunts, like, crazier stuff. With training, yo, with training. Man, listen, I did not know that. And you want to know You want to know what's funny? I know you didn't know. Discontinued. You want to know what used to be a sport? What? Tug of war. Imagine doing tug of war against different countries. That'd be lit. Oh, that'd be tight. That'd be really tight. <laughs> and polo was discontinued also. But not water polo. Just regular polo. Well, let me tell you, here's my list here, okay? And I didn't even know. I'm still not sure that a couple of the sports that you just named are on. I did research. Look it up, bro. It's all good. You don't have to know everything. I'm still not. No, I don't. I definitely don't. (laughs) But I'm just saying, I don't want anybody to be like, Chris also thought that skateboarding was Olympic sport because I don't know. You don't have to die, die on my hill. I'll die on my hill by myself. Okay, good. Okay, good, good, good. Equestrian, okay? Horse does the work. The horse is Michael Jordan, all right? Um, Scotty Pippen, way more important than the person riding the horse. That, of course, 
has been the source of some inner conflict ever since I Googled it, because after I Googled like toughest Olympic sports, it says horseback riding is one of the most intense sports known to man. And it's like number one. So respect. I made this list before I Googled. Um, (laughs) I thought the horse did the work, uh, beach volleyball. Here's how I know I could be good at beach volleyball. Number one, I'm tall. Number two, sand is good on your joints. Number three, I love the hats. I would rock the hat. Uh, and number four, and the most important part is whenever you see a movie and they're playing beach volleyball and they play in beach volleyball in like every movie ever in the eighties, all of these unathletic actors didn't even need like body doubles. They just went out there and looked supernatural spiking the fuck out of the ball. If they can do it, like if people like Tom Cruise can do it, I can do it. Water polo. I was going to put water polo on the list, but then I found out you can't touch the bottom of the pool. I was just about to say, are you a good swimmer? I'm a very good swimmer. Okay. Yeah. And I'm tall. So like, maybe I could be like one of those tall guys, you know, out there in the pool, throwing the ball around canoe. Everybody knows I could crush the canoe or kayaking sports. Everybody knows that I've got a full day of training on the Rivan under my belt. And then lastly, trampoline. Just because I've done plenty of it. Like floor dance trampoline? I, w- I just see that there's a trampoline. And I think that's um, like floor dance, like Simone Biles. Like, I don't think you can do that. No, I don't think it's like dancing. I think it's like jumping up in the air and spinning around a lot. Oh. Yeah, that yeah I've, I, I've already, I've got a cool trick where I jump really high in the air, land on my back, and then without <laughs> landing on my feet, I land on my stomach, and then I land back on my feet. So I figure... <laughs> Can you imagine like someone like like just speaking in the Olympics, like just doing that, like for a YouTube video, just being like, forget this, I'm not gonna win gold, and just going and just doing that instead. I would give, (laughs) I would give so much to see somebody. I was thinking about this with American Ninja Warrior. If you just finesse them into getting you on there, and you told them you were training every day, and I just took some steroids or something, I got jacked, and they thought I was no. But the the joke's gonna be on you and that. You go hurt yourself, yo. No, (laughs) I wouldn't. I just, I just the first second I do the most outrageous belly flop into the pool, and no, it'd be better like the same thing. Like, what if someone belly flops for diving? I was gonna put that diving but i feel like i would get scared like that 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 high dive is very very high oh dude you can break your back up there no you can break a lot of stuff i'm sure (laughs) you can you can you can you can embarrass your family and your country (laughs) what can't we do any type of triathlon can do it even though i don't know if this is still you know when they do the skiing, the Nordic, the skiing with the shooting—that always looked cool. I used to play that on the Sega, like Olympics game, and that and you can't cool. do that. Um, no, like they're just like they're on skis and they're pushing themselves like for miles. Yeah, you've never skied, got it? Yeah, I don't think I can do the diving, and I don't think I can do pole vault either. That's well, when you jump over the like. That's when pole vault's when you jump over the thing, right? Yeah, there's no chance. There's no chance. That's part <laughs> of the uh, what's known as athletics. I do you think you could do it? Things in athletics. I, I the my five no fly zone Olympic sailing. Mm. Okay, like don't sleep on Olympic sailing. If you actually watch it, it's not like one of the commercials with the watches. Like it's not like a luxury watch commercial. It's life and death out there. Like that water looks cold. It looks like rough. It looks like there's sharks. Yeah. Um, no, thank you. Table tennis, never <laughs> been good at it. Not even in like a really like 
acceptable around the house way. Like your friends come over or you go to your friend's house and there's a ping pong table. I'm the guy who's like, no, thanks. I'm good. Cause I can't even hit the ball back. But those people just, they, they rifled at each other. Weightlifting. I can't lift weights anymore. Uh, and then, uh, modern pentathlon. I'm just going to give respect to these guys. Cause you got to do five things. Five. What is that? Running, shooting, jumping, show jumping. So you got to get on a horse, uh, swimming, uh, and then fencing. This is like the rich guys who get a lot of ass, um, triathlon. Like these guys get so much ass. Think about it. You can do all those things and to boot, you can get on a horse and put one of those fucking hats on <laughs> and like a red suit with gold buttons and jump over like steeples and shit. Like these guys, they're all, the guys who get the luxury always, watch commercials. Always got something to talk about at the bar. Yeah, they always do. Like <laughs> always. all the different skills that they have. And lastly, field hockey. I could not play field hockey. Not that it's a, is it a men's sport? Not that it's a men's sport, but I used to always be amazed that all the girls were like hunched over yeah, for the entire you just game. Have to, what? Yeah. Like that's just such a weird like position you have to be in. All right, let's round this thing up. I can't wait for the Olympics guys. I got it on my calendar. Okay. Uh, dip set versus locks. This is the, this is what we've all been waiting for. Nate Collins, who is a big fan of both. I know I am. Who's got who's winning this versus to you before, because I feel like you kind of know who wins the versus before it happens. You've already decided. Sometimes you get surprised, but I think that, I think that the locks win. I'm going, I'm going with the locks. I agree. I agree. I think, I think um, if you look at the two best projects, like my favorite locks project is we are the streets, which they really both have two like, group projects, right? We are the streets. And then is it money, power, respect was the first one. Um, and you've got diplomatic immunity and then you've got diplomatic immunity too. I think the consistency is way more there with the locks and their best project. We are the streets is better to me than diplomatic immunity. It's a little more precise to me. So you're, you're naming all the, the groups, the group albums and i wonder how they're going to i wonder how they're going to do it yeah can like you pull out like you know can you pull out I, I i made a playlist for y'all that are listening can you pull out like like why or something you know like god oh, jada did why like the so minute you, i i would think no because it that's like a solo thing but mm -hmm. i think it's i think it's fair to say any track that has all of them on there, but if they do that, that's what's going to be weird about like what you said, like with incorporating Hellrell and people like that because they have posse cuts on stuff. But I, I, it's going to be interesting to see because just how you say that they bring out why, like if Jadakiss did like a big time song like that, but Jadakiss already had a had a verses and he did like his singles, but Cameron could do the same thing on the other side. No, exactly. And the way I would compare the two is like Cam, I think, had the the longest good album run. Yeah, for like sure. Cam, Cam had a four. Cam's like, the captain of Dipset run. and Jadakiss is the captain of Locks. Like, that's how I see it in a sense. Yes. Like, yeah. Yes. Yes. Even though I think Santana's uh, stuff is really good. For Santana, sure. had, Santana had one album uh, that I thought was real good. I forget the name of it, but I just feel like and listen, I had a 
dipset t-shirt. Okay. As painful as that is to admit, I had a dipset yeah. t-shirt marketing okay? through the roof. Like, like dipset, they definitely, they Cameron, he did marketing for them. Like, like, unreal because the the dipset that eagle emblem is is like etched in in like hip-hop history for real yeah it is it sure is and like i feel like that that diplomatic immunity stuff is aged well but i will say this the 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 delta between like the big the 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 space between um we are the streets and money power respect is much less than the the space between one and two on the diplomatic community side diplomatic community too i do not enjoy that much no okay and if you're going like again we talked about i just pulled it up confessions of fire sde come home with me and purple haze like that's an incredible run jada i think had the best album of any of them like mm-hmm. jada had the best album of any of them. kiss the game goodbye like that that was through like through the roof that like changed it for jada jada was like that kind of like showed he can he can really rap he can have mainstream stuff radio play like that's when like that's i mean jadakus is from westchester from 914 and just growing up and hearing like on the radio just hearing these guys that are like hey they're from like a few towns over like this is crazy. But then getting to college and really like, like realizing like, Hey, like people all over, like know, know this stuff. Like yeah, it's, not, it's not like local shit that you can only buy tapes like locally, like for sure. And, and also like when you think about sampling, which is something that if you grew up in our era and like love New York rap in that time period, like sampling is really cool. I talked to somebody about this last week. It's like, I learned so much old music from new music. So like, I know some people look at sampling as like the shortcut, but mm-hmm. I thought they did a great job. And the production on this on these guys' stuff was really good. And like Swiss Beats doing all the lock See, that's stuff. What is it a- is. That's what it is. It's it's more about the production on the sampling. Like some people take take the shortcut and they're not really they're not creative with the sampling. So it's just like a lot of people, musicians, they don't really like it because it's just like, hey, like we, we heard this already, but like you're saying, like when someone could take a sample and really like do something special with it, like, so you don't automatically know like, hey, like this is from this old song and then you can find it out later. It, it really makes you appreciate it a lot more. And, um, you know, so we both picked the locks. Jada, you know how much I used to listen to Jada Kiss. And then one day I wake up and I don't know if you ever saw this clip of me and Malcolm Jenkins uh, where he was on the sideline. And we were getting ready to go out for the coin toss, or he was, because he was a captain that week or every week. And we'd stand next to each other during the anthem, obviously. And I used to fuck with people when they were mic'd up and ask them if they got that rash cleared up. <laughs> and so I asked Malk if he got the rash cleared up. And he was like fumbling over it and fumbling over, it, like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Ah, oh, haha. So that thing went viral and it ended up on some like fucking hip hop site. And I got tagged in. I went to tag. I went to look at the tag and on the bottom it said Jada Kiss liked it. So I was uh-huh. like, maybe, maybe I, I can't even do it. May, that's the ad lib you don't want to try. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't even do it. But if Jada Kiss comes on the show one day, we'll both try it. So this is our our, our, our public invitation. Uh, what up, Jada? From the 914, fuck with us. (laughs) Yeah, dude, from one of the goats. We got to get you on. We're siding with you on the verses. So basically, 
Uh, Dr. Fax will be back. Appreciate you filling in. Appreciate you having uh, me, bro. Yeah, dude. Uh, a lot of fun catching up and, and Nate will be in studio more often. We're going to, we're trying to carve out a role for, uh, for Nate and studio J now that the pandy is over and we're back in business. Um, because I don't know if Megan and I would be able to talk about the locks and, uh, and, and, and the set. I'm sure Megan knows all about the Benjamins. I'm sure he knows that song. Maybe he's learning layup line every day. All right, y'all take care and uh, we will catch you on Tuesday. I'm gonna fight you with my friends.